good to see uh, everybody here this morning. We had a wonderful time at 9 a.m., and so we're looking forward to closing out this service with a little candlelight, a little more Christmas action, and the kids are going to come up here. So uh, so this pastor right here is just going to do the best he can for like a 22-minute message. So y'all just start interceding for me now. And then just know this, if you say amen, not only do I preach better, but faster. You know what, Carla, every time I, it's Christmas. All right. It's Christmas. I'm just going to love my enemies. Okay. I'm just playing. So I want you to open your Bibles real quick, if you would, to Matthew chapter one. And uh, it's just good to be in the house of the Lord, man. Matthew chapter one. If you're joining us online, Merry Christmas. Can we just shout out Merry Christmas to all those watching online? Ready? I was going to do a countdown, but y'all jumped the gun. That was great, though. It was like one accord. I'm the one that's out of sync here. I need to get saved. Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to read a little bit of the Christmas story, and then I want to talk to you about the gospel, and we're going to talk, talk to you about the language of God in the gospel. All right, and, uh, and it's going to be fun. Verse 18 in Matthew chapter 1, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Verse 19, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Verse 20, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Can you say amen? amen. Verse 22 and 23 all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him, say it with me, Emmanuel, which means God with us. I want to talk about understanding the gospel. You know, it's interesting when we get understanding about something, uh, we learn to stand under it. When we don't understand something, it's hard to really receive the, the revelation or the life from a revelation. So in essence, understanding is standing under. And the message of the gospel, in order to receive the blessing and the life that comes from the good news, we have to understand it, which is standing under. And, you know, um, even the word gospel is kind of like, what is that word? You know, gospel. I mean, most of us know it because we go to church. I'm assuming most people here are churchgoers, and it's Christmas Eve, so maybe you got forced to come here with your family, which, praise God, you're going to hear about the gospel today. But the gospel, the word is not a common word that we use. Like, you know, you don't say, like, oh, I got some good news for you guys. You know, you don't, like, you don't hear your boss say, hey, I got some gospel for you. You know, if somebody says that, it's like they're, they're going to preach to you that you're going to go to hell unless you receive Jesus, right? I mean, it's like, what is the gospel? And I want to talk to you about that because the gospel isn't just a message. Uh, the gospel isn't just about a message. It's not just uh, activity in a story in the, in the broad scope of the whole story of the life of Jesus. It's not only 
the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That is like the, the crux or the heartbeat of the gospel. But we're, we're you know, celebrating Christmas, and we're going to talk about the birth of Jesus and the life of Jesus uh, that encompasses the good news. And in order to do that, I want to talk to you a little bit about language. You know, uh, God has a love language for us in the gospel. And when we, when we understand it, we receive the life that he has for us. Uh, how many here are bilingual? Anybody here is bilingual? Trilingual? Quadrilingual? Is there such a thing? Yeah, there is. I speak eight languages. Japanese? No, I'm just kidding. I don't. Not at all. I was just going to make something up sound cool. Uh, have you ever been at like a table though and everyone there is speaking another language and you don't understand what they're saying and it feels a little awkward and you're just like, yeah. Sometimes I'll do it. Like if I'm around my Hispanic brothers and they're like, you know, talking, I'll be like, see, you know, like I try to fit in. (laughs) Have you ever done that? It's like, it's like someone's telling a joke in a little circle and everyone's laughing. You walk up. (laughs) Yeah, it's a good one. And then they're like, you didn't even hear the joke, bro. What are you talking about? (laughs) Trying to fit in. Have you ever been around somebody and and you just, you don't connect with them? It's like you don't speak their language. Come on, married couples. Have you ever, who remembers the book, The Five Love Languages? How many know it's important that we understand one another's language so we can speak one another's language? Uh, Just a couple days ago, we went to see Star Wars. Glory. It's a good movie. Uh, I won't spoil it for you, but they all die at the end. It's kind of sad. Anyways, so we're walking out, and, uh, and the, the automatic door didn't open up, and there's a guy with his wife and his kids, and, and it didn't open all the way up. So I'm, I'm with my kids. I'm like, oh, that's weird. I look at them, and I'm like, that's strange. It didn't open all the way up. It must be broke. And he just, like, looked at me like this. It was just like. And I'm like, what did I say that was wrong? I'm like, do I got a booger on my nose or something or my face? Well, like, what did I do? And I'm thinking for a minute, I'm like, oh, he's got to be foreign. He totally didn't understand what I said. Sure enough, we're walking away and I hear, and they're like foreign. I don't know if they're French or what. But how many have ever, like, you misunderstanding comes when you don't speak one another's language? Like, you, you can actually misinterpret someone's words because you don't know the language of their heart. And, and it's the same thing with the gospel. It's the same thing with the scripture. If we don't know the heart of God, we can't understand the heartbeat of, of the gospel. Uh, and we can misinterpret scripture. We could string verses together and come up with our own version of what we think God looks like, etc. And I want to talk to you about language today. So most of you uh, that are married, who here has read the book, The Five Love Languages? Have you read that? Pretty good book. Did you quickly learn that you didn't speak your spouse's love language? I don't know about you, but I did. Because, okay, so my wife and I have been married 18 years. Come on, somebody. Go ahead. Applause. Yes. It's a long time. The first three years we call the satanic years. Um, No, (laughs) it was a little rough. I'll be honest. We both came in with some baggage, but then she got delivered. So, um, and now it's all good. (laughs) No, it's actually probably the other way around. But we, we, we read this book probably at like a marriage retreat, and we learned the teaching. And we took the test. Who's taking the test, the love language test? And I remember hers, I think her first one was uh, gifts. And so I'm like, oh, so my wife wants gifts. And I'm like, shocker, you know. Um, and Because and it's just who she is. She loves gifts. She loves to give gifts. She loves to receive gifts. And then I took the test, and I realized my first one, you have like three, three levels. My first one was physical touch, and then my second one was hold my hand. 
And then my third one was hug me forever and ever and ever. Amen. <laughs> Come on, guys. Like, and we, here's the thing though. Like I did not speak my wife's language in the beginning of the marriage. I come home from work and I'm like, hey, baby, I expect like a sandwich to be ready for me. You know, when I get home from work, I'm the man, right? <laughs> Hello? Listen, I'm not like that now. Don't look at me like I'm chauvinist, man. I come home like, hey, honey, I know you're not feeling good, but I'm going to need you to make me that sandwich. How many know that don't work out too well, does it? Same thing with me. I didn't speak her language. She didn't speak mine. I get home. She's like, how was your day? I'm like, it was cool. What'd you do? Worked. How many husbands know that's not what a wife wants to hear? Well, what did you do at work? Punched in the clock, made some money, made some tips. Glory to God. No, I want to know details. Who'd you talk to? What'd you do? Did you meet anyone cool? Did you see anyone famous? I used to work at the Mirage. I'd see famous people. Like, we didn't speak each other's language. So what I've learned is over, the, over time connecting with my spouse that we've learned to speak each other's language. Not only that, but we've adopted one another's language. So now, every Christmas, I have to cover myself in prayer for the spirit of Christmas to consume me so I don't shop till I drop. That's... True story. Like, I literally have problems. Pray for me. Okay. I put it on Facebook. So here's what I've learned. I've learned that we learn to speak one another's language. And we've learned. And now I love the things she loves and she loves the things I love because we've learned to give. And now here's the thing. When I get my wife a present, uh, it's for in, from her perspective, if we're talking about gift, receiving a gift, from her perspective... It's not so she can just have something that she didn't have before. It's not just about the gift. How many know if somebody, if that is your love language, okay, so if I give my wife a gift, when she receives the gift, it's not just like, oh, thanks, that's just what I wanted, thanks. No, it, here's what happens. It, 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 the gift makes her feel significant. It, it opens up her heart, and there's something in her that says he loves me and cherishes me. Therefore, the gift brings connection. Now, sometimes the way we look at salvation, sin, and the work of Jesus is we look at it as just some abstract gift instead of understanding that it's concretely rooted in the very person of the giver. So the gift cannot be separated from the giver. We have sayings, you know, like, well, we should, we should love the gift or the giver, not the gifts. Well, that's true, but we should love and appreciate the gifts too. Come on, somebody. Like, well, yeah, I know, speaking in tongues, that's a cool gift, but maybe it passed away, maybe it didn't. But I'm not about the gifts, I'm about the giver. Well, then you're not about the gifts, because as a parent, if I gave presents to my children under the Christmas tree, and they left it there all year long, the next year goes by, it's still unwrapped, dust on it, how many of it's going to grieve your heart? Especially if you love giving. And God loves giving way more than you can imagine. He's the most life-giving, other-centered uh, uh, person Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the triune Godhead is, that's who God is, is other-centered relationship. And so what I want to talk to you about is in the understanding of the gospel, if we don't understand God's language of giving, we can understand uh, the, the message of the gospel. So, you know, my wife and I have, have kind of adopted each other's gifts in a way, and we've learned to speak one another's language. So the work of the gospel, the message of the gospel, what God came to do, God didn't just come to satisfy some juridical legal issue of sin. Now let me, let me help you understand this for just a minute. The, the juridical legal view of sin is that we broke God's law, and therefore the, there need to be punishment or satisfaction in order for there to be forgiveness. Now, I'm going to drop a theological bomb on you right now. Are you guys ready? 
fasten your seatbelt, just invisibly, your theology seatbelt. Okay, check this out. If a debt had to be paid at the cross, then how could it be forgiven at the same time? You see, our language, language is important. My debt was paid. Okay, what does that mean? How was my debt paid? First of all, you don't find that anywhere in the New Testament. Look at the person next to you say, he's going somewhere with this. Nowhere in the Bible do you see, you see two times it talks about that we are, he was a ransom for many. So how do we see debt paid and sin forgiven at the same time? Was our sin debt or was our sin something that was affecting us and hurting us and so God came and forgave and healed us from it? The juridical legal view of sin is that something had to be satisfied and, and we could even take it this far, which is this is only 500 years old in 2,000 years of church history, that Jesus came to satisfy the wrath of God. That's only a 500-year-old teaching. Before that, the church didn't believe that. The church believed that the work of atonement was reconciliation of relationship, forgiveness of sin, defeating of death, and defeating of Satan. Come on, somebody. Now, now that can go so many different ways, but I want you to understand the heartbeat of this is that we can't over-compartmentalize these things or we miss out on the work of what God is doing on the inside of our hearts. And he wants us to receive gifts, but it's not just about the presence that he gives us. It's about his presence. When God came to give us salvation, he didn't give us an abstract thing. He gave us himself. Come on, somebody. He is our salvation. He is our forgiveness. Come on. He is our redemption. He is the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. He is the one who was and is and is to come. He is the alpha and the omega. He is God manifested in the flesh. He is God incarnate in the person of Jesus Christ. He was the sacrifice. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. See, we, we, we've over-compartmentalized the Trinity. We've over-compartmentalized gifts and the giver. We have to understand that when we look at the work of salvation, it started in the manger. Obviously, there was prophecy spoken in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 is where we see this Emmanuel. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says that he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Come on. This is describing to us who he is. But in the manger, salvation begins. The gospel message started in the very beginning. It didn't happen when Paul or the apostles are preaching in Acts chapter 2. It happened when it started with the birth of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. In fact, the gospel means euangelion. It's where we get the word. that it, What it means is one sent to proclaim a king was born. The gospel is the message of who God is, that he is king and Lord of all. And when we understand that was his heartbeat, that was his language of love, that he didn't just come to satisfy a debt. He came to set us free from slavery. That's why he was a ransom. It's a metaphor to help us understand that, listen, when, when, when the uh, Israelites were set free from Egypt, did, did they have to pay a debt to get them free from Egypt? Matter of fact, they gave at the end. They lost it all, didn't they? Come on, somebody. I want you to think about this. It's a metaphor that we're no longer slaves under the law and under sin and death. We have been set free by, by the work of Jesus Christ. God didn't come to set free some uh, 
set right some scale of justice in the universe. He came to forgive us, to lavish us with love, and to give his self and take on the disease of our sin. I want you to shout out amen. Amen. The reality is, is that Jesus in his person, in his presence, and in his work, what he accomplished, that is the incarnation of God and the work of redemption. It's his entire life, death, burial, resurrection, ascension. It's the whole thing. We can't separate, don't separate and overcompartmentalize the gifts and the giver. Now, it helps us during Christmas that we understand that it's not just about giving and receiving. Obviously, what, what's the purpose? To connect our hearts, to help us remember how important it is that we're sitting across from family Uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, sons and daughters, fathers, mothers, and to value one another, to value relationship, value connection. God came to set things right. That's what the gospel is about. It was about reconciliation and restoration, forgiveness and healing and freedom. So in, in the work of Jesus becoming, or God becoming flesh in the person of Jesus Christ, John 1 14 says, The word was made flesh and tabernacled among us. He dwelt among us in the midst of our darkness, despair, sin, and brokenness. Jesus pitches his tent and says, I'm here. I am fully God, fully man, and I've come to heal you from all of the sin reigning in the cosmos. Right in the middle of the darkness, pain, and brokenness, he gave his own life, his own body, because he is our sanctification, our healing, our redemption, our forgiveness. Can you say amen? Uh, In closing, I'm going to read Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. This is so beautiful. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Say terrified. Now, I I just want to drop this on you real quick. In in their paradigm, under the old covenant system, if a big angel showed up, that was like the story of David and the threshing floor when 60,000 people died. Like, that's why they were scared is because under the old covenant system, things were different. God was faithful within that covenant. But how many know Jesus came to bring a new and better covenant seal with his precious blood? And and listen, this is powerful. Let this free you from any old covenant religious lie that you have to be afraid of God instead of reverently fear God. So they're scared, right, in their paradigm. Here's, listen, the angel said, don't be afraid. Come on. Look at the person next to you say, don't be afraid. Fear not. You know, fear not is 365 times in the Bible, one for every day you wake up of the year. Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. Something about the good news message that just liberates us from fear. Goes on and says, the angel says, don't be afraid. I bring you good news. There's that word again, good news. Gospel The good news of a king born to set us free. A king born to show us what God looks like. A king born to usher in the new. To to do away with the old covenant system and bring in new covenant. Made between him and the father. Sealed in his own blood by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's the word, the incarnate son, came to set us free. It says there's good news that will 
cause, say, great joy. I love these three little things. It says, fear not. I got good news that'll bring great joy. I want you to say that with me again. Look at the person next to you say, great joy. For all people. For all people. Not just the ones we like. Not just the ones that are our friends. You remember Jesus on the, you see like in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and Sermon on the Mount, he says things that just really mess us up. Like, Oh, you've heard it said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, which is in the Bible. So he's quoting the Bible. He says, you've heard it said, but I tell you. It's almost like he's saying, yeah, I know that's that's the word, that's the scripture. But my word trumps the old covenant word. You've heard it said, but I tell you. What did he say? Not an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. I tell you, love your enemies. Whoa. He came to show us such a radical love that even our own enemies' hearts would melt. Our enemies' hearts that could be a stone melt under the love of God. I'm reminded of the story. I've said this a couple times. I want to share it again. The 22 Coptic Christians that were beheaded. Uh, They were beheaded because of hateful, demonic religion. And there's a really powerful article that was written. Somebody introduced or interviewed the bishop of this this area, this region. These are Eastern Orthodox Christians that we could learn a lot from. And they said, what is your stance towards all these ISIS guys that, that killed all, the, all of these people? 22 Christians beheaded because they believe in Jesus. And the bishop said, oh, it's easy. We forgive them. Then they interviewed the mother of two that were beheaded. She had two sons, a mom that had two sons that were beheaded in this horrific incident. Here's what the mom said. Talk about love for our enemies. She said, I would invite members of ISIS in my home if perhaps their heart would be open to the love of God. Radical enemy love. Jesus says, yeah, I know know you've read eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Sometimes we still live by that, don't we? Justice. What if justice is not juridical? What if justice is... Not retribution, but restoration and forgiveness and healing and freedom. Come on. Now, I, now listen, I'm not going to get political on you. I know we have, we have a legal system. Like, you know, some people, they cry, cry. They need to be locked up. Get them off the streets, man. They need to be rehabilitated, actually. Let me say that. I got to be careful what I say, but I want to say this clearly. Jesus came to bring a love revolution. And it wasn't just in his dying and his burial and resurrection. It was his entire life revealing the heart of the Father and demonstrating to us that the gospel is not just a message. It's the messenger. It's who God is in his person. Come on. Let me just finish this up and then we're going to close again and uh, get the candles passed around. You can dim the lights all the way down and start passing those candles out if you'd like to. Would you stand up with me if you would, saints, as we finish? So why is the gospel message good news of great joy to all people? Verse 11, it says in Luke 2, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The message of the gospel is a message of joy. Why? Because in his presence is fullness of joy. With the gift of salvation comes the giver that he is our salvation. 
It's about the incarnation of God. How can we apply this to our lives? That remember in this Christmas time, which is about celebrating the incarnation of God and the birth of our Savior, that we can learn to reconnect, that we can learn to walk in joy, that we can learn to have peace with one another, to love one another, to value one another in relationship. Can you say amen? Amen. It's a message. The gospel is a message of freedom from darkness. It's not just a word about an event. It's the announcement of the birth of a king, a God who became human in the person of Jesus Christ. And as we begin to light these candles, I'm going to read these last few verses. The light has come. You don't have to be afraid anymore. Perfect love drives out all fear. He has given us the best present or gift of all. He has given us his presence himself. Come on. The last couple verses of Luke chapter 2. Please don't light the person next to you on fire unless it's metaphorically. Glory to God. I'm on fire for God. Luke chapter 2. Last couple verses. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, let me say this, when you understand what the gospel is or you stand under the reign of the gospel, because the gospel is about the announcement of a person, his name is Jesus, God incarnate, that Jesus is Lord and King. When you stand under that reign, here's what happens. You become aware of heavenly realities. Come on. There was a big angel right there in the sky. Shepherds are like, whoa. And they, their hearts open up to the good news. They weren't afraid anymore. They, they, didn't, they didn't see a bunch of demons. You know, when Elisha's servant's eyes were open, he didn't see a bunch of demons to rebuke. He saw a bunch of angels and said, there are more with us than there are with them. Where are intercessors and and faith people today that see angels rather than demons all the time? There's a demon under every corner, demon under this rug right here, demon over here, demon under the chair, demon in the back row. Oh, glory. How about we see the heavenly hosts that are proclaiming the reign of Jesus and the good news of the gospel where he said, it is finished. Come on. Well, we need to be aware of some of those demonic things, but it doesn't mean we need to be overly focused on them. So here's what they became aware of heavenly realities. Why? Because they believed the gospel. Their hearts were open to the reign of the king. When that happens, you're aware of heavenly realities. Last verse. Here's what they said as we close in worship. Glory to God in the highest heaven. On earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. Come on, would you just seal it with a shout of praise right now? Lord, we lift our voices to you. I want you to pray with me before we begin. We're going to bring the kids up in just a moment. I want you to pray with me. Don't worry, your candle's good for like 10 minutes, y'all. If you're watching online, get that candle that you have in your living room, wherever you are, light it up. Join us. Lord, teach us about incarnation. Teach us that the work of salvation and redemption is not just some abstract gift, but a concrete reality of you giving your own life. 
you bringing radical forgiveness and restoration. And Lord, we thank you for the work of redemption, salvation. Isn't just in the work, but also in who you are, your whole life. Your whole life, you join yourself with our broken humanity, your divinity, Lord. And you healed us and you set us free. And you're pouring out that love and that grace. And we receive it today, this Christmas Eve, as we join together. And may the light of the glorious gospel spread like fire everywhere we go, that we can live incarnational life. And we can truly say, Emmanuel, God with us, God for us, God loves us, God is healing us, God is for us. Would you shout out, Amen? And seal it with praise in Jesus' name.